Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Kitchen Garden Magazine podcast, your fortnightly fix of gardening features, advice and chat. Subscribe and follow us now to never miss an episode. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the On The Grapevine podcast with me, Dan Hayes, and my guest today, Francis Tophill. You're quite rare that, in fact, in many ways, you work for both BBC and ITV, which isn't, funnily enough, a very common thing. It's a little bit more common now, but it's not the most common of things for someone to appear on the two big kind of channels, if you want to call it, terrestrial, yeah. as they say. Yeah. Um, how do you find that? I mean, the, are they different working for two? I mean, obviously, they're very different programs. Don't get me wrong. One of you is quite a lot of actual doing, whereas the other one is more presenting or saying, oh, this lovely garden, etc. But mm-hmm. as you say, how do you find working for either one? Um, just completely different programs is mm. the main thing. I mean, in terms of filming, it's not too dissimilar. Uh, no. You know, it would take a lot longer to film, I imagine, than that all these things do take a lot longer to film than people well, honestly think they do. Yeah, I mean, Garden as well takes a lot longer to film than you'd think, considering it's yeah. usually just a really nice chat with somebody. Um, but it usually, yeah. it, well, it, it always takes a whole day and usually right until it's getting dark, you know. Mm. Um, whereas Love Your Garden, the pace is much quicker and there are other presenters, so the, pre- the mm. pressure's not on so much to be presenting all the time. Um, yeah. But the main difference with the kind of programming is the team, really. With Love Your Garden, it's been the same team or a large part of the same team for mm. years and years. So it's like any landscaping job where you turn up and it's like your mates. Um, apart from there's no music, which is annoying. We always say, like, I wish we could have a radio, <laughs> but you can't. Oh, you're not allowed. Sound... No. I, could, I couldn't come on the show then because I've always got my thing tuned to radio. Too. Yeah, yeah. When, you're, when you're working, you have the radio on in the background. Yeah. Um, but no, it's it's like a building site without the radio. Um, but but it's your mates and you turn up and it's always the same people and the same sort of structure yeah. and, and the actual building, the, 
the practical work I like mm. um so it's, the, the main thing that took me a long time to get used to with the BBC was the different pace the sort of slower but but the, your brain is working overtime all the time with Gardener's World yeah. so it's kind of more tiring in that mental way but mm. less physically tiring but I mean the, the, I guess that the only sort of difference is in terms of sponsorship like on the BBC yeah. you can't say any brands or you, you have to think about that whereas on Love Your Garden it's sponsored the sponsorship yeah. actually gets the gardens built the budget that we have to build the gardens is tiny so people mm. send their products and they send their best products to sort of advertise them yeah. to and that that is what builds the garden um so it's that sponsorship thing is completely different on the bbc and having come from a an itv first that took yes. a while to get my head around the fact that yes. like, oh, yeah, yeah, you I, can't can't, I can't mention anything yeah but you couldn't say veg truck no Although a veg truck is a truck for vegetables yeah it's a branded name yeah exactly yeah. or even the clothes that you're wearing you know i can't wear anything that has a brand it's just those things that when yeah. you're green like me and you've come just from gardening you don't think about it you suddenly mm. have to think about all that stuff so yeah it's, it, that's the only difference i would say though but we most people who work in both are freelance <laughs> so they all work across different programs anyway yeah, I, I think the thing about it now don't it as you say is the days the golden handcuff deal is long gone unfortunately the guy yeah. can't necessarily mm-hmm. afford it but it's, it's nice that you have the freedom yeah to do what you want if some, something comes up that's a bit different maybe years ago you they'd be like oh i don't think we don't think we want you to go down that avenue francis yeah Whereas now at least you can say i want to do something i mean you never know something may come up you might think oh i'd like to try that yeah, completely. I'm dancing. That could be you. <laughs> yes, the world better watch out. Um, yeah. No, it's it, it is funny. I mean, but then because people ask me this every now and again, and I have I, I'd never really thought about it, but then now I look and I like I was watching Channel Four News yesterday, and there was mm. an advert for Sandy Toxvig doing something with Channel Four, and she's obviously on BBC and BBC yeah. Radio. So like, it obviously does happen more now. I, I notice it now. Um, where I never would have thought about it before but it's quite nice from my perspective to get the yeah. freedom to, to to do the things I want to do is, is there any program you'd like to do great chance to plug it Francis <laughs> so I love traveling yeah let's yeah. get let's do like a bit of Monty Don's around the world and 80 gardens but that, that'd be quite slightly nice. different that would be quite nice wouldn't it can you imagine yeah. Yeah. I think you might have really stolen the idea from you though and, um, oh, I think he might have yeah and, um, <laughs> you could tag along with Simon Reed. He does some good. This is true. He's in a very a different type of travel program. They are all showing you different parts, but that's, you know I, I do like watching his things. I do a lot of. Um, do you know woofing? I'm slightly worried about where this is going to be. <laughs> I, 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 you, you me. You're, you're not the first to be worried. Uh, yeah. Woofing stands for Worldwide Opportunities in Organic Farming. It was it's okay. it's a kind of charity thing. It was set up in the 70s or 60s in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one in the UK really knows what it is. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas around the world, loads of people do it. And it's basically you sign up, uh, you pay 20 euros to, to join a country. So if you want to go to a specific country or you know you're okay. going to a country, you yeah. pay to get the list of all their farmers and farmers sort of sign ah. up to host you. And then you go yeah. and you work for free, but you get your board and your food um, provided. So I do quite a lot of that if I'm traveling on my own, just because it yeah. gives me something to do and you meet nice people it'd be quite nice to do that like a program go up and work in like a spice mm. farm in Kerala and then go do a I've done um grape harvests in the vineyard in France to do that yeah. so it's been not quite so much gardening but more the kind of farming 
uh, really? gardening. Yeah. There are all kinds of different projects on on the Woofing website, but that that may be like a, a different I'm twist. You, on it. Yeah, I'm glad you've uh, tidied up what Woofing is because I was slightly <laughs> worried, especially when you said websites. I'm thinking this is going down avenues you don't want to go. We did not expect this. But, um, <laughs> no, no, it sounds a good idea. It's um, I I know about those things where I suppose it's a bit like the thing when. Many years ago, I'm a bit older than you, but you used to go and stay with a French family or something. It's a version yeah. of, of that. Yeah. And as you say, you, you work and you board. Yeah, that like USO or something. Yeah, I mean, it's great because you get to meet amazing people and you can travel around. I know I, have, I haven't done it, but I have friends who have travelled around whole continents and they've just arranged their next thing and they stay for a week in a farm. And you, you can pick the kind of farm you want to do. Like I know um, herbal medicine farms or perfumers, botanicals for perfumes, um, livestock farm there's all kinds of things that you can do and you can just you go and you stay with people for a week or two or for a month or two and yeah yeah airbnb just for people and places and And you have to work (laughs) yeah that all depends on how much they expect you to work that's true they do say though when you choose when you choose where you're going they have to be really explicit about like whether this is a bit of a holiday or actually we really do actually want you to work quite hard yeah, to me it sounds like they probably want some quite hard work. Although they might, yeah. depends if they get um, BBC or ITV, they might get a bit of a shock if you turn up. This they may not true. want to work you quite as hard, just in case. But um, well, the, oh, the, you heard it here first. I'm looking forward to this. I, I suppose if they if they had a camera crew, then they wouldn't. But I want to work. I've I've had this before. Yeah. You sort of you expect, or people expect you not to want to. It's like no, no, I really want. <laughs> I actually want to do it. Your allotment, you did get a bit battered on your allotment, don't you? Uh, it's a really it's a really tough spot it was quite mm. interesting last year um because i had my allotment going on the one side and then yeah. with this um lockdown itv program uh i had my little garden that i was renting i was not intending to do anything in that garden so it's only rented um uh, but when they were going to film it and there was nothing to do and we were all locked down I was like okay great and the com- the comparison between a little sheltered garden with decent soil mm. of what I could grow and that it's a tiny space but I grew way more produce on in that tiny space than I did on the whole of my allotment which every plant has to fight for survival on that because yeah. it's battered constantly and the soil's dreadful and there's horse tail everywhere and it's like oh. it, it sort of it makes you realize what you know I just do you ever, I don't know if you ever get this on your allotment, you just think, oh, rubbish. <laughs> like, Monty Don has a massive cabbage, and my cabbages are this yeah. full of full of um, caterpillars, and you think, oh, rubbish. I but then you that, think, no, I'm not. The allotment site is a, it's a yeah. really tough site. I think it's quite hard on those things, as you say, when you see professional gardeners or on, on Instagram or that. People yeah. tend to show you the very best, and yeah. they're not always. I mean, Monty's very good, and so was oh, Jeff Hamilton yeah. before him. They actually do show you it's not just because I'm a well-known gardener. It doesn't mean that things go, well, I can't die. I, you are right. Certainly brassicas, uh, even people who have been growing things good for donkey's years, certain people struggle on certain plants. We've all got a plant that you just think, I would love it if I could grow one, but I can't. And, yeah, a lot of it is soil. And it, a lot of it is time as well, to be honest, I think. is. I mean, Monty's got a lovely allotment, for instance. Let's use him as an instance. But as you say, it gets tended to because it's on telly. It, mm-hmm. I imagine he lavishes, and I'm sure he's got some gardeners, but he couldn't do it all on his own. Uh, it lavishes a lot of time. And as you say, and sometimes it's nice to see that actually a, a brilliant, fabulous cabbages, but they don't all look like that. And in fact, most of them barely, I mean, Brussels sprouts are the classic. 
Yeah. Most people like the ground, but most of the time they end up with tiny little marbles. Tiny. Kind of like, yeah. Was it worth yeah. it? Uh, actually and I have to say people people seem to really like that people don't want my allotment to be this showcase amazing yeah. produce winning you know thing it's actually people re- it resonates with people that they're like oh that's what mine looks like you know mm. and um and it's learning as well I mean I know that on my allotment I can grow really good beetroots the beetroots are yeah. amazing but you know the the brassicas struggle and it, but that's the same with any space you learn what's good in a particular space yeah. and you just you, you stop trying if, if something's not going to survive it's not going to survive no matter what you do yeah and also um, i think the thing on i'm sure you'll find down both your allotments you've had there's certain types of people down allotment you'll have the the old boy or woman um who will have a grow of 20 beautiful cabbages mm-hmm. and they'll end up giving away 18 of them because how many cabbages can you really eat yeah and, and i think i think a lot of the problem is sometimes people see these fabulous things on Instagram and they're, oh, I've got to grow that, got to grow that. But I think they actually lose the fact that actually grow what you eat, do try new things. But it's like like people ask me and I say, you don't sell all your carrots at once. Yeah. Do little little drill, little drill, a couple of weeks later, another one. And I think it's getting that across to people that it's not a show garden per se. It's, if you don't like something, like you say, you obviously like beach. Well, I hope you like beetroot. Yeah, grow the things you want. And certain things, I also think is some things bizarrely, there's uh, a lot of effort. And grow your own isn't about necessarily saving you money, because I think it's long been proven that it's going to cost you more because you've got to include your own time. And mm-hmm. I've often said to people, I think that fresh and local and organic is better than certain things and I think that's what you need to be aiming for I mean the amount of times you can have strawberries in the middle of winter well they're not going to be grown anywhere local and they're flown from Egypt and Morocco and they might say they're organic but Mm. really are they if if they've travelled however many thousand miles and also they're not wrapped in plastic this is one of my things you go to the supermarket nearly everything is wrapped in plastic when you go to a Mm. farm shop down the road you spend a fraction of the money just get a cardboard box full of veg yeah. and fruit that's all like you say seasonal yeah. um and has no plastic <laughs> or you grow it yourself and you ha- and you know you, you just have it when it's ready and and no packaging no air miles and all that you know it, that's really important well i think it's also if you if you grow your own things the variety is immense because yeah. obviously supermarkets will grow it for very specific reasons it's got a taste it's got to taste like a tomato yeah. Them all right. Can it spend a week stuck in a little box being wrapped around various things? And I don't think people realise actually that's part of the fun of growing yourself. Yeah. Is that there is a whole world of things out there that I mean, because, I mean, colourful carrots have become popular. Yeah. They've been around, and, and as you say, an orange carrot isn't an original carrot. Most carrots were purple. Purple. Yeah. No, that was a Dutch thing, wasn't it, to make yeah. them orange? House but, of orange. Um, yeah. And they taste better. Things you've grown yourself taste so much better. Um, because I don't think many people realise how much stuff that we eat that's grown in this country is grown hydroponically now. So it's mainly just pumped with water. Um, and when you've grown something in soil, it has all that sort of nutrient and micronutrient um, content, which gives it that flavour. Yeah, it's an earthy feel. Yeah, because down the road from me is a very big strawberry grower. Mm-hmm. Huge. He actually grows the plants, but they're very nice strawberries coming off it. And when I went and had a look around it, I mean, they are huge pollen tunnels. I mean, they go on for hundreds of metres and there's about 70 of them. Wow. And yeah, it's all hydroponics. 
Yeah. They're literally guttering and there's some huge tanks at the end. It's amazing. And don't get me wrong, the strawberries taste wonderful. Yeah. But it shows you how those strawberries are grown on such a huge commercial. I mean, he is growing the plants to sell them in the shops. Yeah. And a byproduct is he sells to the local people. Nice. But you don't really, you, it's the huge amount of cost and work that goes in to doing it. You can't. I, I mean, it's so it. technological. You I've got, got the same just down the road from my mum. There's a huge greenhouse and they, they do tomatoes. It's all full of tomatoes and they have them, I would say, probably 10 months of the year. They have lovely mm. fresh tomatoes, all hydroponic. Um, amazing, mm. amazing operation. These tomatoes are 12, 15 foot tall. Mm. Um, and they do taste good, but it is, it's a different world, you know, and yeah. it's, um, people think of, of, of farming as being, you know, some old boy on a tractor in a field. And y- yes, there are those, but actually yeah. it's high tech, you know, we have to supply loads of people with as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and so that like nice slow pace of growing your own hmm. um, is very different, but you get so much more flavor for it. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a I suppose spiritual it could be not necessarily spirit it's the thing yeah it's a much like um place where years ago had an old-fashioned orchard where yeah. basically there were big orchard trees but you compare it to a new modern one well they're no taller than six foot and they're basically cordons because they don't want to have to go around on the tractor and shake the tree and things like that i mean there are still some in Devon way, some lovely cider makers who will still do it the traditional way. I know. I've, oh, and they're beautiful. You know, you can't yeah. beat a lovely old orchard. I know there's one, I remember going to it when I was a teenager, climbing down Glastonbury to Poor, and at mm. the bottom of there, there's a beautiful orchard and sitting in there and having a picnic. And it's magical. But again, just down the road from where I grew up, it's all orchards. It's a huge, mm. huge complex. Kent, obviously, where I grew up is yeah. apples and hops. It's what we're famous for. And they are not like you imagine. They are really massively commercial. They're little spindly trees in big yeah. straight rows with wires holding them all up, and they get a massive amount of apples on them. Um, but uh, just not what, you, not what you imagine. No, I don't think you can beat some of these lovely old varieties that you're not going to ever see in a shop. Not going to happen. No. And um, I don't think you can, as you say, to pull an apple off a tree and eat it, even if it's not something particularly special, you can't because you won't quite get that instant kind of whether it's a sharp taste you you can't you just can't until you give it to someone and say well this is literally just on the tree there's a be no we done nothing you cannot actually beat the taste of it but no and they, i think things nowadays the magic of well things like you Dave, you you look into it and then they've created trees that we actually almost anyone can have one you may not make it you might only get two apples a year but everybody the, the beauty of them um, the technology, I suppose, in these things is that they have created so many variants that you can have a lot of things in your garden, even a small garden, that maybe even 10 years ago would just not have been an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's true. the wonderful thing. Because that's, is that what you've got? You did it because you've got a degree in horticulture. Horticulture, yeah, yeah. With, with plantsmanship. So it's a kind of botany. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah it's it's not botany i you know i couldn't say i'm a botanist definitely a, a horticulturist but um mm-hmm. but yeah it's, it's it's horticulture with very much a botanical evolutionary kind of yeah. spin on things yeah because yeah, i imagine um i mean i didn't i went to college a long time ago and i dare say it's all changed since then because when i i mean i went in the uh, very late 80s to college and i just think it's changed a lot it was kind of a bit of a oh yeah, farming and farmer type thing doing there. Whereas now it's actually, as you say, I think the RHS has helped that a lot. It's kind of opened up that actually there are, you can have a 
career as you say because lots of people around here call themselves gardeners but they're not gardeners they couldn't I mean, tell you a weed a daffodil from a dandelion. No. I think I think there's there's a huge world of horticulture and gardeners that turn up and like jobbing gardeners who maybe have no qualification and that's fine because you can learn it all on the ground but you can't just decide one day to be a gardener and then rock up in someone's garden and you know you can cut the lawn probably you can maybe do some pruning but pruning is really definitely a skill (laughs) that takes a lot of time to learn um and it 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 can give it a, a bad name or a name where people think it's just for people who can't do anything else which is really unfortunate because actually historically gardeners would have been really like a a highly trained craft um and then there's also all this science as well there's kind of um bioprospecting you can do pharmaceuticals that come from botanicals um there's research there's conservation there's ecology there's masses of stuff that that horticulture can be and just to always push it down this one thing of like if if you can't achieve anything else, then you can push a lawnmower around it. It's really, it's really dumbing down actually and, and unfair on what gardening, what gardeners do because it's, no. a, it's a real skill. Yeah, well, I always, without being rude, the sort of people who are maybe in IT and got made redundant and thought, oh, I quite like gardening. I tend to refer to them as hoers, mowers, and blowers because they're yeah. fun with that, just keeping your garden looking tidy. But the amount of customers over the years who tell me after I've taken over their garden, Oh, that's never flowered in 10 years. Yeah. I think why? Because I think it's 85% of flowering shrubs flower on last year's growth. There are a few things that don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not going to list any, just in case I get it wrong. Uh, but this is, um, as you say, I think it's one of those things, it's finding your thing. And as you say, there is a, a whole world out there. And I, I think you can actually make it, you can properly make a career out of horticulture now. And you don't, and we're not just talking that you have to basically all your set to just gardening because it's not the most fun thing in some weathers, let's be honest. But, oh, I don't um, mind it. I quite like getting rained on. <laughs> it's as you said earlier on, it's cooling down when it's hot. That's the, that's yeah. the hard bit. Um, oh, funny, my favourite time of year is probably autumn or this time of year. I quite like it as well. It's not yeah. too hot. I mean, we don't. I was laying a patio today, so I didn't particularly enjoy it. It's soaking my patio. No, <laughs> no that's quite disheartening. You can't, you can't get out of it. It's all fun. No. All My Reads gives you unlimited access to more than 100 specialist books, from history to mystery, rockets to royals, planes to trains, bikes to biographies, and much, much more. Access the digital books across multiple devices, including your desktop, tablet, and phone. All My Reads is just $4.99 per month. Visit allmyreads.com to find out more. Browse the extensive range of titles and try your first month for just 99 pence. Get ready to browse and begin. So your books, how many books? You've released three books? Three books. Always three books. I've written three books and I think the publishers rejigged one of them and re-released it. So I've written three. I think. I see you've got, yeah, they got you a uh, container garden and the container garden handbook. That's the one, the handbook, handbook was just a, a rejigging of, of the container gardener. So yeah, I've written three, three yeah. books. But that's, that's uh, well, why not, to be honest? I, I really enjoy it. I, I, I'm really dyslexic and the one thing I thought I would never do as a career is writing. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, um, I really enjoy it. It's, it's a really nice thing to do. Um, the research is great. I mean, you learn so much from doing it. 
um and then also just consolidating your ideas and then just that stupid thing of you have a book in your hands and you're like you know one day when I hopefully get to a ripe old age I'll have this and I'll always yeah. be able to look at it you know and it, it's great it is not well because one of my interviews is they've started to be done as yours will in the chicks in your garden so I brought that magazine and it'll be pressed in a frame and left there forever because it, I didn't do it to get published but it's just yeah. nice to suddenly see your little idea you had a couple of years ago suddenly it's there in print Take it's it. not, there's no money in it or anything like that it's just it's suddenly nice and people and, and I don't know people take on a strange thing when you said you, you've written something whether it be a book or an article I don't know it's almost like they look at you as if to say Oh, you're not stupid as a thought, mate. Like, I had a funny thing the other day when, because I'm I'm working on another book, and yeah. uh, someone said to me, "Well, haven't you run out of things to say now? <laughs> like, what? How can you possibly write four books on gardening? Surely, surely one covers it." <laughs> just yeah, like, well, there's always room for one more book. Yeah, there are some slightly different angles you can well, go yeah, for. You have to say, your latest one—it was rewild your garden. How did that come about? Was that just kind of? you realising actually we maybe over-managed gardens? Yeah, I'm, it's definitely, I mean, well, with all of it, it's a conversation with the publishers. They commission it and we, we have a yeah. chat about what about what they would quite like. And I think that was um, quite soon after Isabella Tree's rewilding book came uh, out. And that was, so they were recognising that this was a thing and spoke to me about it. And I was just like, I really want to do it. But the, it was interesting because the publishers didn't really understand what rewilding was, what they were, they wanted me to write a wildlife gardening book and I was I was really like keen to say look I'm not I mean obviously there is wildlife in it but I was saying you know rewilding is a thing and I really want to talk about that because it is as you say that realization of the control that we we feel we should be sort of exerting over the landscape which I would argue and increasingly you know from having been 15 years ago trained and done my apprenticeship and like you dig this and you weed that and you, you know very much the old school way of thinking it's taken me yeah. a long time to slowly unpick that in my own gardening and on my allotment it's kind of an experimental place where I try out these ideas and and the more I do it the more I think actually I I really like not doing so much I really like stepping back and letting nature do it and the weeds growing up look amazing I mean we've we pay a lot of money to buy in amazing ornamental grasses from south america or north america and yet if you let wild grasses in this country grow in amongst wildflowers it, you have a really similar effect only it's giving a lot yeah. more benefit to the local sort of fauna so it it's just i think it's the natural progression of of where naturalistic gardening is going yeah. is to kind of if, if not entirely make it weeds but marry weeds with useful plants and with non-native plants and have this this lovely kind of harmony of it that we just yeah. don't have quite so much control. You know, we just let nature have a bit back. Well, I think the thing about what is a weed, a weed is just actually a plant in the wrong place. I mean, Absolutely. you wouldn't want columbine running around your whole garden, but it's a very attractive flower. Or horsetail. <laughs> I call it mare's tail. It is horse's tail, but I call it mare's tail. I think it came from a mare, obviously horse, but I always thought it came from nightmare because... <laughs> it is a mare isn't it a total you, mare you can never t- you can weaken it and it's dissuading but you will never get rid of it you'll um, never get rid of it no uh, it's, a, it's a prehistoric weed but it's the same with, with anything else there, there are ways and I've learned ways to kind of not get rid of it the more I dig it the more it seems to come back so I've stopped yeah. digging it um, but I find it doesn't compete that well with other things so in my herb bed which is all perennial herbs 
yeah. it doesn't compete well. So now that I've got big fennel, lavenders, hyssop, uh, myrtle, other things, it sort of is very spindly amongst it and, yeah. and really not offensive. Um, whereas in my annual veg, when I'm clearing it, it comes back with a vengeance. So it's, it's mm. learning. So, you know, maybe I should grow more perennial veg rather than annual veg and that will weaken the horsetail. So, yeah, you know, it's, um, it's with anything. You just learn um, yeah. well, no, whether you can get rid of it. Yeah, gardening like, is learning. No one knows everything. It's like no. we're, we're all kind of GPs in the garden. I mean, we've got a general knowledge of gardening, but you need yeah. to think about certain things, then you, you need to go and see a specialist. And, and there are things that you've that you've perfected. Like if I'm working for a client, I would never just let loads of weeds grow up um, no. unless they specifically wanted me to. Um, but on my allotment, and I'm sure you're the same with yours, that you, mm. you're kind of you're, you're kind of a bit more liberated to try mm. things that yeah. you're not sure of. So um, on my allotment, I did a kind of Hugel culture experiment last oh, year yeah, yeah, yeah. to sort of see if that was something that would help with the cooch grass and the mare's tail horse tail. And um, and it was interesting because it did. It really weakened it. But mm. where I weakened it, I then found loads of bindweed growing up that I hadn't ever known was there because the horsetail had outcompeted it the year before. So it's like yeah. these experiments that you try, you would never do that if you're being paid by someone to go and do it in their garden. But now I know that for myself. I would yeah. feel confident to go and try that in an in a paid situation yeah. and know know how to approach it. So it's you're always learning, and it's that's the joy of it, really, isn't it? Well, yeah, that, that, is, that is the joy of it. And I think that's um, why you can find gardening at any age. And yeah. I mean, as we've seen the last, well, it's going on for a year now. It is getting on for a year now, unfortunately. As, as you say, the um, the interest in gardening has been massive. Yeah. And I think part of the problem is you've got to try and keep hold of, I don't think, you, you're going to lose some people because it was a thing there at home. I've got nothing else to do in my life or I'm actually going to do the garden. But it would yeah. be nice if we could keep, that thing and then maybe use that to um, obviously peating compost is a massive has been for a long long time it's not it's not a recent thing pyroids in compost etc etc mm -hmm. and it's only really through the public buying i mean you you can have all your well-known people saying oh this that and the other ultimately they're only affected by their back pockets yeah. and it takes the people not buying it it's the only way they'll change it doesn't matter if monster Hopefully. says it's not good or it's good it's not good that doesn't affect it ultimately all they're worried about is how much money can i make of course so, and giving the option you know you go to a nursery there's usually one peat free option and loads of mm. other options you know you have the seed cutting compost you have a general purpose compost um all different you know ericaceous and they're usually yeah. peat based whereas we need to start getting to a point when we are encouraging nurseries by saying i'm only going to buy your peat free option so yeah. give me a seed and cutting peat free option give me an ericaceous peat free option you know and and that's i think where we should be aiming to get mm. but obviously that's that's industry that dictates it and as you say that's money that dictates to industry what yes. they're going to stock because customers you know we vote with our purses don't we well yeah and I, I think there are some very good options out there yeah but it's got to be affordable and that's the problem is if it's but being it's made on a small scale and gardening all over isn't it i think this mm. is people often ask and everyone's wondering now that we've got all these new people into gardening how mm. do we keep them but it, it's that it's 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 inaccessible to so many people mm. because of money you know i i often kind of joke about it i've chosen one career that i even i have a, a huge barrier to for my own self because i i can't afford land you know buying land yeah. is, is is crazy money and i can't afford a house that has a big enough garden so it's that mm. thing of like 
making it accessible and relevant to people um, is the key thing. And it's been relevant to people this year because they've had time. And usually everyone's working so hard that they don't have the time. So it's mm. just kind of like reassessing how do we make it relevant? Do we turn community spaces into places that people can use and have ownership over? Um, is it councils making way more land available for allotments? You know, I think that's where it comes into its zone to give people yeah. access to it. That's how we'll get them to stay with gardening. I must admit, my local council, I mean, admittedly, I've only just moved house a few weeks ago. I didn't oh. move really far, but I changed, I changed council. But okay. in Hampshire, I have noticed in Hampshire, they have, they're playing on a different tune, but they're basically letting their urges grow and there. You can sponsor a roundabout and it's basically... Oh, amazing. Well, it's very good. I mean, they're doing it in a way that makes them sound, but it's obviously a way that I'm not quite sure they can afford to do it like they did anyway. But it's nice that they're doing it and as you say, and, and do it. And as you say, there's lots of them. I mean, it's quite wooded around where I live anyway, but they're doing lots of these, these things. They say, and I think the community projects will work because mm. you meet some fabulous, I still, I used to work on um, Chobham Commons and some of the most knowledgeable people are actually not experts, they're keen amateurs. And you meet some fabulous people. And as you say, and they don't, they don't do it for the money, they do it for the love of it. And I think that's what you get with those kind of community projects. You, it's the same as an allotment is you meet such a wide array of people at allotments that you probably would never meet in any other walk of life. And, and you learn so much. Another thing, but <laughs> you do meet some wonderful people down allotments. Yes, and quite quite quirky people, I suppose, would be the, the saying. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I admittedly, I've had to give up my allotment last year because I've moved to a house with a garden. Okay, and well, that's it, good. Well, it's been interesting having my allotment on my in my garden because there's gonna be certain things like do I really want to go get on the bike ride down to my allotment dig up some potatoes pull some carrots because then it suddenly it's not just a kind of five second thing it's a kind of head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally ends up being half an hour because my allotment is right at the bottom, which means I have to walk past everybody. And what do people do? Right. Hello there. So you get there and you think, you look at your watch 20 minutes later, and I've, I've barely moved 20 yards from the front gate. Yeah, so it would be interesting to see how it goes. But yeah, I will miss some of the characters quite simply. Yeah, that community, it, you do miss them. Um, I also find that it's quite a lot of, like it gets you going there um, because if you don't turn up to water <laughs> or if your allotment gets overrun, you're, you're always in the back of your mind aware that your neighbours will be kind of going, which is, yeah. um, which is quite a nice bit of pressure. It can sometimes feel a lot yeah. of pressure. If you've got loads of other stuff on, it can be yeah. actually quite stressful just trying to keep it looking good. But yeah. it's that good little bit of pressure because it means that you actually do turn up and you do do it. But I suppose if it's in just outside your back door, then you, you will yeah. because you'll be there all the time anyway. Well, I will be, and my wife will soon tell me if it's not looking very nice anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, it's going to be interesting. It would be nice because I've often dreamt of it. Now, whether it turns out that this dream in, in reality is not, uh, often things, as you say, you dream about, oh, it's going to be wonderful. Yeah. You know, like you said, Barbados, oh, it must be wonderful sitting on the beach, sipping like lemonades and things. The reality is it's never quite what, the, uh, well, like the movies show you quite simply, but there's, there's a lot more to it. But um, yeah, yeah probably uh, in, interesting. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it's the way the world's got to go, quite simply. Yeah. But as you say, we need more land there's, without being preachy. There's too many people on the planet to sustain what we've got. Now, people moan about GM crops and things. Unfortunately, that's the only way that they can support the people. Mm. And, and I think it's, we've got to get back to that kind of thing that actually, I suppose it's very, the COVID is, if you think to the war, it is, you basically people turn their gardens into a lot the idea yeah. of a garden or cottages you can yeah but you can grow vegetables amongst your plants there is no reason why you have to have an allotment it's really strange isn't it that people want yeah. to always separate it i that was my my big thing with the garden that i built this spring was actually um it was the first opportunity i had to try out my ideas that mm. i've had on allotments and in other people's gardens and in shared gardens and stuff you're always compromising but this was like my first time at just going right I'm going to do it this way my way and yeah. nearly everything in there was edible and it looked beautiful there was literally no compromise on aesthetic versus useful um and that's the way I've always just approached gardening I don't see why we need to make a differentiation between this is the useful area and this mm. is the pretty area because actually yeah. loads of useful plants are beautiful um and it's just a different approach where you say well we don't have masses of space we, we don't all have to grow produce only, um, but if we can grow as much produce as we can, then we take a huge pressure off the agricultural industry um, and we're eating healthy food, we're eating exactly what we know has gone into it. You know, we're not buying things that have been potentially sprayed with loads of chemicals or, or whatever. We, we don't always know, but if we've grown it ourselves, then we, we do know. So it's that thing of, of turning, as you say, verges and roundabouts and public spaces and our own little gardens into productive spaces that also look amazing and that everyone can help themselves to the produce that's there. Um, I just think that has to be the way that we move. 
we have to move in that direction or you know as as well as the kind of wilding and native flora and not cutting verges and allowing the wildlife to, to live there as well so it's that it's that marriage of those two things and we've we've gardened so long in this idea that there's got to be a straight edge and little neat borders and we have the pretty things there and we have the useful things there and we feed that with that chemical and we spray those insects with that chemical and it's like we've automatically done this for such a long time it takes quite a lot to retrain yourself and sort of stop and question it and think actually why am I doing this and once you do you realize that we don't need to and if we all stop doing it then it will be much better and more balanced but I also think the thing is it's it's perfectly fine to make mistakes no one knows it and it is actually maybe part of the fun of it is actually have we lost the bit that it's a bit like anything I've got teenage daughters and you don't want them to not make mistakes but yeah unfortunately the only way to learn sometimes is to learn the hard way and that what a wasted year of crops or that thing just doesn't grow there well yeah yes the experts could have told you that but is it sometimes they may be wrong you know, yeah. you have a lot of, of stuff. And when we're doing um, garden as well, particularly, you know, there's a lot of you, you feel a lot of pressure to get get it right. Mm. Um, I remember doing a thing about pruning once and we spent such a long time researching every everything, all these different species, shrubs, this couple yeah. had in their garden. And it was like, oh, God, and I think it was the autumn. And we we're going, oh, should we do this in the autumn? But will it bleed? And oh, I don't know. And there were a few things we just didn't do because we were like, oh, there's different information. We need to get it yeah. really right and yeah. um we there's a lot of pressure because it's gardeners world you know we have to give the right information and then the next week i watched gardeners world and monty was pruning apples and he said the right time to prune is when you have a saw in your hand because you never know when you're going to have a saw in your hand again and you may as well just get it done whilst you're there and it's like yes exactly you know actually there is, we get so bogged down with the right way yeah. and there are so many different ways and in different areas different climates different soil yeah. types things work differently and if it works for you then do it and if it does it doesn't matter what the books say well it doesn't and also sometimes the wrong plant grows in the wrong place yeah and, uh, i mean uh, for instance i've cut back hundreds of apple trees over my time and the amount of time you're meant to paint them with a kind of bitumen type sealer yeah. at the end but yes you try and do it but it depends if you've got an old tree if you've got an old 40 year old orchard and let's say you need to prune them the chances of you killing the tree off are actually plants are actually an awful lot more especially if they're established shall we say mm-hmm. they're an awful lot more harder than you think i mean a classic would be look at budleys they always appear they knock down houses they build these mm-hmm. lovely posh flats what always appears up within a couple of years through the, the kind of they have that nice block pavia driveways that yeah. space. what always <laughs> appears up a budlier look up the half the side of a an old victorian building and then it'll be a tiny crack and what will be growing out of it? A budnia. And you think yeah. you shouldn't, nothing should survive there. There yeah. is no soil there or anything, yeah? yeah. Nature finds a way. And I think that's the thing about it. Yeah. Nature finds a way and it always will do. And I often think actually nature will do what nature wants. We can sit there and pretend that we're we kind of, oh, we're doing this and we're doing that. But actually, I honestly think if we really, if, if it thought of the human species and thought, well, you're a pest I could do without, it would well look at the current situation we're in unfortunately it actually shows you how very vulnerable we are as a species we are quite destructive we we do a lot of good don't get me wrong we're not a terrible race but it just shows you how actually it's a very 
a very tiny little tilt either way and suddenly you shows you how quite really insignificant I suppose is the word and we um and and I think you will get that with the food in the world as well we're a pretty insignificant and if we keep pushing too much it will tilt the other way and we will have a problem and then there'll be another another problem as you say I think so I I think a lot of people have have had that perspective over the last year and quite liked it you know actually um not that it's a good thing and it's been horrific and it's been awful for so many people and you know destructive but there's been those glimmers where you think oh actually this could be the beginning of change and and it shows us how how fragile things are and and that can be good that because that can galvanize people to to do better you know i think that's what you need is to galvanize the people and i know it sounds a bit rhetoric but um that's what you need and i think i'm sure that was a program by a dear old david attenborough uh fragile earth and i think it you you need to realize that yes it is fossil fuels will run out one day it's not just people saying that and it may not be in our lifetimes but if you've got children you need to think about your children your grandchildren and I think that's the uh, secret of it. It's not just thinking about my own 10 years time. We need to become a bit more altruistic, I suppose would be the word. And actually think there's going to be generations beyond me who I'll never meet. I'll probably never meet my great grandchildren if I'm lucky enough to have some. But yeah. you have to sit there and think we're only custodians, like a house. You're only a custodian yeah. of a house. Once you sell it, someone else takes it on. They might totally rearrange it. Yeah. But that's the thing of it. We're only custodians on the planet. Who knows in half a million years' time, the human race might be gone. The ants might take over the world. And I think that's, <laughs> but I think that this is how you need to think a little bit more outside the box, I suppose. It's, and, thinking about other people and also thinking about other species as well. I, I feel awful when you think about all these, you know, plants, animals, fungi yeah. that get destroyed by what we do because we want to build or, you know, yeah. it's, it's dreadful. So I think it's that thing of, of trying to think really holistically about everything rather than just thinking about... We will get very insular, don't we? Yes. I suppose we're all stuck in our houses, so <laughs> maybe it's natural that we would. Yeah, but, and I um, think also, I don't think people think about plants as creatures. No. Not creatures that move. Well, they do move very slowly, uh, and they're not triffids, but actually they are. If Yeah, as you say, without plants, without greenery, we're, we're, we're stuffed, to be honest, because um, you wouldn't be able to breathe. That's, that's what creates Earth is a... We're not quite, but Earth is a pretty. Whether people say, "Oh, there must be other Earths, there must be other little green aliens out there," there probably is. The, the law of facts, but how far you have to go. But we are pretty and amazing little. We are just perfectly far enough from a sun that's mm. warm enough and create, and we can sustain life. And whatever happens, we are a pretty amazing little speck of dark dust in the atmosphere. Absolutely. And I think people seem should remember actually, we're very lucky. And as you say, I mean, I know we, we only know of our existence as such. But um, yes, it is a pretty amazing thing. And it takes a, a bit like the human, I mean, even having children, it takes an immense amount of things just to fit in the right place. People take it for granted. Oh, yeah, children. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. they need to have children. Well, actually, no, they can't. And it's an, I think uh, Dr. Robert Winston did it. You need an amazing amount of things just to have to click. And they have to click perfectly. And, and I just suppose, I guess the world forgets how it's not as simple as it looks. As, I mean, the biology of plants tells you that. It's, mm. It takes an immense amount of things just to be how it is. And maybe we need to appreciate that more. I think and so. maybe the pandemic has done that for us. 
maybe i know with yeah. writing my with writing the rewilding book i was really keen to include plant species because so many wildlife gardening books always talk about the insect and animal species and mm. birds and how you can provide for them but they don't yeah. ever talk about the you know the plants are like just a means by which you bring in the wildlife and it's like actually exactly. the plants themselves can be they need protecting as well there are loads of species of plants that need protecting um and we, and also we're learning about plants now there are there are things that we didn't realize that you know that the plants can show that they have kind of a kind of memory yeah. and it, you know they're, they're doing all kinds of experiments into how plants almost have a sentience they, they decide yeah. to grow a certain way they can remember certain things and it's like well, how do they remember do they have brains well no not that we know of but maybe they you know that there is i think there's yeah. a lot more to plants and communication and that that side of things that we just don't understand uh so you know we we should not overlook plants no i think that i know that i know some tree surgeons and they say they trees know when another one's been cut down now yeah. it may be a, it may be not a brain and they talk but it's a chemical we're all chemical based yeah, yeah. Like grass cutting it makes me laugh there's people go i love the scent of freshly cut grass well, actually, it's sending out a chemical reaction to tell the grass to take all the nutrients back into the roots, basically, to have your head cut off. Mm-hmm. And, but that's the thing that people just think, oh, it's a lovely smell. But no, it's just a chemical reaction of the grass saying, right, nutrients get into the roots because someone's cutting our head off. So I just say, mm-hmm. oh, no, there, there is that. Whether we'll ever know, but they obviously, they obviously think they, they, are a, they are a species of their own and they obviously can communicate in ways, but maybe not in our communication ways as in talking on our phone. Yeah, yeah, no, it's obviously different, but it's there is yeah. some almost a sort of sentience. I don't know, yeah. like it, when people always say that question, like, oh, what would you come back as if you could come back as anything? Yeah. And I would always say a bird, but but as I got older, I think maybe I'd come back as a tree, like an yeah. oak tree, live for hundreds of years. And I don't know, I've had a few a few things when you when you listen to the wind in the, in the branches and you think, what are what have these trees seen are they you know like over the hundreds or even thousands of years that some trees can live imagine the difference of the world you know it'd be amazing to to just be there unmoved just letting it all flow by and watching it all happen they're amazing species you often get that with yew trees in churches because they are generally there's one near me in Godalming. i think it's i went there once i think it's 1500 years old yeah you just sit there and think that's seen kings and queens and things like that and the amount of change that's in yet all it's ever done is stood there and watch yeah i know it's amazing yeah you need to sit sometimes you do actually need to it's often nicer early in the mornings crisp morning just actually listen to everything and i I think maybe that's what people have done the lockdown people have actually Mm. walked in their garden didn't turn on a radio like us, us us workers in the garden and actually just listen to it and realise, even in the middle of London, for instance, or any major city, you don't just have to live in the, the wilds of Herefordshire or something, but actually how much the, the birds and everything around you just breathe it in almost. And, and I think that's probably what people have maybe felt more about gardening. The gardening obviously is enjoyable, but actually nature is around you and it's Stopping. free. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people are worried about, going back to normality and then losing that. Yeah. I think you know it's quite important that we've we've all got this glimmer of of how how busy we all were before, <laughs> how busy, and now to to be able to hold on to that little bit of calm would be quite nice. Y- yes, I think and you often see people say, "Oh, it was better back in the sixties, and all yeah. people have more time." But 
I think there's a lot more pressures on us and that doesn't help. But I do believe, yes, you should basically take time out, even if it's 10 minutes, just mm. go and sit and see what's around you. And you might even notice a few things that you'll certainly notice nature around you if you yeah. sit there and look at it. And that's, I think that's, that's certainly the way forward. Right. I've got to ask you about your, um, I remember it last year, your, um, shall we say you have a quirky fashion sense sometimes and your cardigan kind of made national kind of, well, maybe not national press, but um, yeah. certainly created a, um, a buzz on the internet and um, I think it would have been uh, Instagram probably. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's quite nice because that does blend in with allotments, that kind of reuse. But is it just yeah. the way you've always been, that kind of like, if I like it, I'll yeah. wear it. I'll use it. I can got a use for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I find it a funny thing talking about your, your fashion sense. Like, I just never thought about it. Just wear what I wear. And like, dungarees are good for working because you don't get a builder's bum when you bend over. I mean, that's literally I, it. I have you a pair I work in as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm of no thing of fashionista. You can ask for why. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know how to marry colours or anything. I just tend to say, oh, it looks right and it's comfy. So mm. I'm in no way picking on you there because I'm exactly the same as you. Well, no, it's a funny thing because I think that, especially as a woman in gardening TV, you are expected like, you know, on, um, um, you know, you're expected to wear makeup. I know that yes. uh, on um, Love Your Garden, we have a makeup artist. You know, we have hair and makeup. when We're, mm. we're gardening, landscaping all day in the mud, you know. Yeah, um, you and... Yeah, like I wouldn't bother, um, but it's it's a very, uh, I don't want to say it's a sexist industry, but there is definitely a thing where you're like, as a woman, you yeah. are expected to have that. And when we first started Love Your Garden, we used to get um, given what clothes to wear as well. Just, you know, I don't think the men did. So I started off coming into TV wearing not my clothes, wearing what someone else yeah. told me to wear. And then after a year or two, you sort of start sneaking in a bit of your own thing and just because it makes you feel because you feel comfortable in your own clothes and it so it's a, it's a strange thing for people um maybe it's that confused thing of wearing one half of what someone's told me and the other half of mine but um people have said this about my fashion both in my personal life <laughs> and on tv and I always just think I just <laughs> dress like everyone else <laughs> your own fashion, you've made your own otherwise without being re everyone would look the same I'm yeah no part of the fun um, of it the, the the thing I did that bring to the first series of Love Your Garden, that was my first ever TV thing, was my yellow wellies, because I was a student at the time, and they were the cheapest dealies I could get. And it was eleven fifty for some oh, fisherman's yeah. wellies. <laughs> that was it. And I wore them, and it was like, everyone that everyone thought it was like my thing. It's like, no, they're just really cheap. Because <laughs> am I right in thinking you were at uni or college? I don't know how they quite, um, I'm never quite sure. I never went to university, so I don't know quite how, <laughs> how you differentiate. Um, is you, you were working, yeah, you appeared on telly while you were still, in yeah, many ways, a, studying. Yeah, I was in my second year. So I'd done my apprenticeship and uh, two and a half years of actual gardening um, in a Lutchins garden and oh, then went nice. to Edinburgh. Hmm. And so I was in my second year of my degree um, when I got the job on Love Your Garden. It was really bizarre because it'd be like, you know, one, one day I'd be in a lecture and then mm. maybe in the pub with friends and then the next day I'd be in a five-star hotel which I'd never been in before I'd never that, been in a five-star hotel very hard for you how did you manage I remember on my 23rd or 24th birthday um sitting in a five-star hotel room drinking a beer 
and just looking around me and thinking, what's happened in my life? Everything's gone weird. Um, Maybe it's a nice jug of beer type thing. <laughs> yeah, probably. To be honest, when I was that age, I probably did. No, it, but it was, you know, and like watching Alan Titchmarsh mowing the mowing the lawn. I I, I had a few. That's surreal. That experiences. would be surreal. Yeah, yeah, you're just like sitting there one minute, but it's weird because you feel like you've known Alan Titchmarsh your whole life on the one hand, and then on the other hand, you're just like, you know, two months ago, I was just a student, <laughs> and now here I am, and you're here, and you're chatting to me. Very um, very surreal. I think that yeah, is the it? thing, though, with, with well-known people, shall we say, is you have to get over the thing that they are just normal people. They just yeah. happen, to, happen to be well-known faces. Totally, and, uh, but I, I've never been massively starstruck. I think it's it's a thing where you're like, actually, it's Alan just is Alan, you know, yeah. and he's the same on screen as he is off screen. And he's lovely. You know, he's been so supportive yeah. and helpful. And, you know, me and Katie, my co-presenter, had never done it before we started on that. And he he never made us feel in any way that we were less good or you know he just yeah. he never told us what to do he just always was really supportive and 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 just like exactly as you would expect him to be and exactly as you already think that he is and that you know him and he's an old friend because you've seen yeah. him so much on the tv it's it's a strange thing he's just alan and there he is in front of you i think yeah. if you are a generally a nice person which he strikes me as very much being i think it comes out and, and people people buy people they don't buy products they buy people and I think, and this is what Alan has always said to me, that if you try and sell something, if you yep. try and be something, yeah. you're going to fall down. The only thing you can ever be consistently is yourself. Yeah. And that's what he's done and that's what he is. Yeah. And that's what, you know, I'm not, it, it involves a lot more acting than you realise because you have to do things over and over again. Yes. But I'm not an actor and none of us are actors. And so we just... Yeah. We're just we're just all ourselves, and I think if you if you can see someone's trying to be something that they're not, that's when they're going to come a cropper, really. Well, yes, you can't act twenty four seven, and no. I, you know, I actually think people like not maybe making mistakes, but people like it if you've got a, an accent or a certain thing you say a certain thing, or you. We all have certain ticks, I suppose you call it <laughs> certain things we do. I think that's what makes you human, and I think that's yeah. what makes people warm to people. Is not it's not what you look you don't have to conform to look like a certain thing and I think that's what makes people and people like you for it you may well think why do they like that well some people hate it don't they but you're never going to please everyone my, well, I, one of my good friends used to always tell me off for the way I said hello <laughs> I remember he always said you always whenever Alan goes away and then comes back you always say hello <laughs> I don't even know he always used to tell me off like, you've got to say hello differently <laughs> You just don't, you just, just come down. That's how you are. And people will probably almost say, that's oh, Francis Topphill. Yeah, she does that. Hello. That weird, hello. Yeah, yeah. hello. <laughs> Trying to get the children's TV show or something. <laughs> I think, no, but I think that that's why people like you, because you are yourself. I've chatted to you now. We're not, there aren't millions of people watching. I don't think there are. I'd have to ask Ben. He, he might be sending us across the world. But yeah, <laughs> this is the thing is, and and you seem very much like you are, on the on the TV, for instance, that would be the only place I've ever seen. Yeah. I'm, I'm not stalking you, so I wouldn't know. But um, yeah, you seem like a genuinely nice, down to earth person. 
And yeah, I mean, you don't show everything. You definitely, <laughs> there are definitely I, parts of my professional person. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I definitely can be, can be more challenging in my real life. But that's, again, it's quite a nice thing to have like this persona, not a persona, I am me and I can't pretend to be anything else no. but there's I, I I quite like my privacy so quite like that I can have a just you know a private me that people don't ever get to see which is quite nice for me because it keeps it keeps it, I think if it all starts to bleed into one you can believe that you're I don't know I it can be a strange that, thing I, I quite like yeah. being normal I like normal days and then yeah. non-normal days you know I imagine if you're incredibly famous like uh, Tom Cruise for instance you can't get much more famous than him I quite like him as a thing, and I think what people forget about people like that is they're controlling multi-millionaire. I mean, there's a thing about the COVID. Oh, you got to be wearing your mask. What, I don't think people realise that. Oh, what's he getting so hard? He's, there's hundreds of people relying on him keeping a film going. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest problem with, let's say, those kind of super superstars is you start to believe what they say about you, and you start thinking, yeah. God, I am a fucking answer. And I think. I suppose the more famous you are, the harder it probably becomes to keep basically you've got to keep your feet on the ground and realise that you're, okay. you are you are no more exceptional necessary than the person down the road. It's just you've had good Fame is a strange thing. Like I, I I wouldn't say I'm particularly famous and I quite like that I wouldn't want to get famous and I think especially when you're people like us you know we get into this because we like gardening you don't want the, the fame the fame is a strange thing that you sort of feel like people feel they know you and they don't and it's you don't get into it for that if you do you're getting yeah. into it for the wrong reasons and so actually it's really nice to just have that that personal private yeah. thing where you're like you know it's it, it's great that I get to do this amazing job and meet amazing people and chat to them and learn so much from them but I would never want to lose the real me and the the thing at home where you're just not like that. You know, it would be awful to lose yourself to that. It's nice that you you're you are famous if you're into gardening, for instance. If you like yeah. gardening as well, then yes, you are famous. Yeah. That's that's quite a lot of people. But like I could tell my mum, oh, I chatted to Francis Topfield. She'd know he's oh. that's the girl off. She might get me confused with the other one, which she did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's Katie Rushworth. And she went, oh, yeah. right, that one. <laughs> it's a nice bit of thing it is nice that you in theory you could walk down the shops and in all fairness yeah probably three out of ten people might recognize you but you'll probably find other people go who garden as well no i mean the word sometimes people kind of look at you weird but like you said it may be just because i'm dressed really oddly but or it could be because they kind of go is that but literally that's it you know occasionally someone will stop me and say oh I know you from the gardening programs and you're like yeah. oh hello and that's literally it but that doesn't happen much and I like that I like just be able to walk yeah. into town and just have just be just be me as I always have been you know and if it started to encroach where you couldn't do those things anymore that would be quite yeah. a scary moment I think well, it must be strange I've seen plenty of famous people I normally think they look they say TV adds weight or something or makes you look bigger than you actually are. Mm. And I've seen plenty of famous people and I normally think, I mean, I'm quite tall at six or four. And mm. I tend to think you look at them and then you do, you kind of walk, is that, that can't be such and such. This is like a big film star. He must be massive. Um, I walked into, in Legoland, Tom Hardy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I literally walked into him. As he was coming, I'd gone into the toilet, he came out and I literally walked into him. And... Um, Lovely black. I said, Oh, sorry, these are sorry, like that. And I thought, when I walked away, I thought, That's Tom Hardy, but I thought he'd be a really big, musty bloke. Well, of course, yeah. he's nowhere near my height, and he's not, he, I'm sure he's very musty, but 
And I sat there thinking, is it him? And, is it? and then I looked on the media and there was some, I think they were open the hotel there and there were loads of celebrities there. I miss right. most of them. Now. He's the only one I kind of went, well, he had a very long beard. And I just kind of thought, Tom Hardy was that just a vagrant? Just <laughs> it's a strange thing, but I can imagine after a while it gets quite annoying that you can't think, I just start to go and bloody do, I mean, you can't for the last year go, but I just like to go and browse around Marks and Spencer's about someone going, can I have a selfie? Oh, it would be awful, mustn't it? Yeah. It must be awful. I get a glimpse of it. Nice for a day. Though. Yeah, a day, and then maybe just switch it off and go, mate. I don't even think, I've spoken to people who've, who've had, people like if they're on the phone and someone will come and just yank the phone away from that ear and go can I have a selfie and they just be like no because you're really rude you know I, I would hate that <laughs> it it would be really annoying you just want to kind of go out in your pajamas and get a loaf of bread without anyone but yeah, this is it but you, you lose that fri- well I suppose that's the thing about being are oh, you public property whereas you've probably got that lovely mix where oh there's that lovely girl of garden as well oh she does that thing with Alan and, and David type thing where you're not necessarily considered public property as such no no and it's not it's it's a really nice actress as such you are yourself and i suppose the problem when you become you portray a part people often believe i mean you often hear about it bad they pay baddies in movies people seem to start thinking that they are that person they're kind of like no i'm just i'm acting type thing yeah that's where i I suppose you're lucky in that sense that you're not acting you are Francis Tophill I mean yeah. I enjoy gardening and that I'm not trying to be anything else I'm not saying no. you can't I'm looking forward to your blockbuster I'm I, oh yeah I was, there, I was there near the beginning with an interview <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well I think I, don't, I think we better wrap that up there otherwise podcasts will go on forever and ever and then people <laughs> start switching off after that but, um, thank you very much for um, doing it and uh, yeah, oh, I hope your other half gets better soon just so that you don't have to replace him as a cameraman but you could have put <laughs> your, what's your little dog called Rua. Rua, you could have put a little camera on Rua and it would have been an interesting viewing on God as well. Just get a view from the ground all the time because all that dog does is lay down. <laughs> yeah, we've got a little cocker spaniel and to be honest, the worst part would probably be the camera would be taken away because her tail never stopped wagging. So, oh, really? Oh, uh, lovely. Yeah, it would end up probably camera moving slightly down the body and then probably just get a picture yeah. of him between her legs looking forward. So. Well, I get the thing with Rua, when I got him, he's a rescue. So when I got him, he had his tail tucked in for about a month or two yeah. never never wagged and now he wags all the time and it's that lovely thing where you're like oh you've, you've yeah. got happy <laughs> it's, it's you, i must admit you can't beat the dog they're always happy to see you mm. if i go out and walk up to my workshop and come back again she'll come in wag her tail and go and pick a toy up or a dirty old rag or something you don't want her to necessarily drag around the house yeah she'll always do it and it's the lovely thing is they actually don't care yeah I mean, they they love you unreservedly, and it doesn't matter if you've only been out the door for five seconds. It's kind of oh, he's back again. Probably I know. It is more more the point. I think is who who feeds me and that feeds me. (laughs) Um, But it's a wonderful thing to do. Well, good luck. As I say, have you got any anything upcoming? Because obviously Chelsea Flower Show's on this year, so I'm 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 hoping you'll be there doing something. It, yeah, I, 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 they've postponed it, I think. Yeah, it's, the, well, no, it's, it's quite a lot of talk. It's quite, well, quite a lot of people are excited um, because obviously it's going to be autumn. Yeah, there'll of be a whole different Chelsea, range of plants. Yeah, because normally it's quite early. You don't really get the full summer effect at Chelsea because it's too early. Yeah. Quite soon. But all things are having to be forced on heavily. I know yeah. that there's a huge market on, because I know a couple of growers and they grow a huge amount of things. Ah, it's going to be at Chelsea. And if it's a big thing, 
well, all the garden centres will want it. So we need to grow 30, yeah. 40,000 of them because if that's part of the show. But there is the side of things that, I mean, is it you obviously go to a lot of shows, I don't particularly. Chelsea's up there. I sometimes wonder if something like a Hampton Court is maybe more for the normal gardener, shall we call it, because it's very high end. I mean, there's some fabulous gardens, but the budgets on them are, are oh. they're out of the planet. You, only very, very rich people could afford it. I'd say so Chelsea's like really... an experience. I want to take my mum. She's never been to Chelsea. Yeah. She 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 goes to Hampton Court. She, she always has done. Um, but she's never been to Chelsea and she really wants to go. So I was going to yeah. take her this year, just gone. <laughs> and then obviously it got cancelled. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I want to take my mum. It, it, it's an experience. It's jammed, full of people. Um, if you get there on press day, then you get you do get starstruck. That's fun. Oh, right. Okay. Um, like, uh, I remember seeing Ringo there once. It's just like, <laughs> mid-conversation, I was like, hang on <laughs> I just ran <laughs> um but it is an experience but it's not for every gardener you know it, it's no. it's like it's like going to London Fashion Week you know you're not going to buy the clothes you just no. get there for the experience whereas as you say Hampton Court Malvern Flower Show is lovely mm. um there are places where you can go and you can buy plants you can buy wellies or coats or whatever it is that you want for gardening a, a greenhouse you know outdoor yeah. furniture anything like that they're much more of a, a really lovely day out Hampton Court's lovely because you can go and sit and have a cream yeah. tea on the lawn and you know yeah I would say that it's yeah, you know, flower shows aren't my natural environment I have to say <laughs> I, I find them really interesting um but I prefer to be in a woodland <laughs> yeah. it's a bit like the other I remember asked Toby Buckland once I find it's just because you're a gardener, it's almost you turn up something like that, it's kind of like I'd be sitting there thinking, God, they're gonna ask me a question and I'm not gonna have a clue. And I said to him, Oh, you're going on things like gardeners' questions. I'm actually I bought flower juice, another one. It takes a lot of bottle because yeah. you're basically opening yourself up to people asking you questions. And I mean if you don't know, you've just got to say, Dunno, um, pass it on to oh, someone. But that's else. so great. I have so much respect for people when they say yeah. I don't know. I have been told so much nonsense by gardeners before when you've asked something and then you go away and you repeat it and you think, actually, that sounds like nonsense. And you look it up and it's nonsense. It's, nonsense, it's yeah. so lovely when you ask someone something and they say, I actually don't know. And also I found that when I, I used to be in charge of um, apprentices and if they would ask me, which they did all the time, loads yeah. of questions. And I learned so much more that year because I just have to say, I don't know, but I'll go and I'll look it up and I'll get back to you. And then I would research, you know, so important to be able to say when you don't know, especially in gardening or else people are going to go and do something completely ridiculous. And also, especially <laughs> if you're on a TV or a radio phone in, you're soon going to get found out very quickly. Oh. He, he has and go, would you say he's a professional gardener? I don't think he knows anything. Yeah. Right, I've said to them, I said, I think you've got, to, A, you've got to know your stuff and B, you just got to be honest but I think that's where it comes down to it's not a job it's yeah. a it's a it's just your life it, and it yeah. does become your life to a certain extent and I think it's the only way you can really probably get on it and actually succeed on say gardeners question time is you basically got to live the damn thing completely you, the experiences that you've had feed into your knowledge yeah. all of the time mm. well yeah. thank you very much for joining us thank Francis you. I can tell you that you're um your interview is going to be in the kitchen garden soon, so you'll have a whole new fan base for the vegetables. <laughs> so, um, hope that should go. So, and I'll, I'll let you know when it's coming out, yeah. And um, then go from that. And I shall keep watching your Instagram account. I do enjoy you because you're actually quite a keen photographer. I love photography, yeah. yeah. I like, I mean, it's only on my phone, um, 
but um, yeah. but I, I love I love it. I always have I have a film camera. That's my only camera. So um yeah. doesn't really translate to Instagram very well. <laughs> so I it's just, yeah. Yeah, modern day cameras are a wonderful thing because you can spot something and sometimes on digital cameras full stop. I think it's because you can spot something and let's be honest, I've just got a fairly new phone. You can take pictures that only a few years ago would needed a very expensive camera. And to yeah. be honest, things like Instagram, it's that's what it is. It's here's something I've seen, relay yeah. it. You don't necessarily want to talk about it to the end of the world. It's just say, here's a nice thing I saw. Here's yeah, a, completely. A, well, it's, a, uh, it's a picture from your memory and you're totally. sharing with other people. And, and other people's things that they share too, you know. It's quite a nice community yeah. of people, all quite yeah. like-minded and in these well, times, the quite nice just knowing they're out there. <laughs> yeah, I think the vast majority of people are, are, are nice people. Mm. There are obviously some people there who you'll probably think, right, block them. But I think you'll find 99% of people in general across the world on the planet are all nice people and appreciate it. And as you say, it's sharing. So it's one yeah. Well, I should let you go now. And um, good luck for the year. And I uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you at Chelsea you. On, the, on the thing. And if I if yeah. I do go to Hampton Court and you're there, I'll wait. And I'll, I'll also yeah. shout out Finky. Is it Flinky? Frinky. Frinky. Frinky, At least yeah. you'll know that. Probably will make you look round and think, who the hell's that? It will make me look round, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's what <laughs> I'm thinking. That's when people call me, it could be anyone. <laughs> Well, I don't think I look like Alan, so I think you'll probably guess it's not Alan. Yeah, I'll guess that one. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's my in to just get your attention for five seconds. Can I have a selfie and sign this? I shall do that. I <laughs> Thank you very much. And um, yes, I'd love to say speak to you soon, but um, you never know, Hampton Court. Yes. I might see you in person. Yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? We'll all oh, be let yeah. out into a crowd of people. No, 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 don't. <laughs> You're doing yourself up there. You just build yourself up too much. <laughs> but have a lovely rest of the day. And, uh, good luck with anything. And as you say, when's your new book coming out? Do you know yet? Oh, no. I mean, I'm still writing it. So oh, been, nice. I think next year, maybe. <laughs> yeah. They can turn it into the handbook version the year after. But that was yeah. one, one question, Darcy. Have you ever thought about self-publishing your book? Uh, no. No. I'd, I'd, yeah, no, I hadn't. I, I'd, yeah, it no. rubbish at all that stuff. <laughs> Well, the, the thing about self-publishing is, because I spoke to um, uh, Charles Dowding, mm-hmm. he did his latest one, Martin Fish, and he said, what you do is you gain that, you gain that thing, that control, because obviously publishers are really interested in what is the kind of, what's the, what's the big thing going on at the moment in the world? Oh, we'll yeah. have a look about that. And uh, they've actually found that you can, um, it may be something to future for you, but with self-publishing, obviously yeah. you've got that control that you can write the book you maybe always wanted to write, yeah. But never could because the publisher said, nah, sorry, Francis, no one gives a monkeys about that. But we've moved on. To yeah. That. It, so. it's nice writing them. It would be lovely to do. I've always wanted to do um, a thing about apples, go around the country and find all the best apples on the roadsides. And, like, yeah. But I'm a bit worried about the apples on the roadsides because it's. I know, they'd be full really, of pollution, yeah. won't they? And yeah, I'll get well, run over trying to get yeah, them. Or just yeah, get run over. Or here's Francis eating an apple in a hospital bed. After she had a bad apple, stumbled out to the road, got taken out by a tractor. Well, I suppose it'll make for an entertaining viewing. Yeah, it would, definitely. People would well, buy it. One to think, yeah. Well, I did say I had a chat the other day with um, oh, Simon Ackeroyd. Uh-huh. He worked on lots of plays, very good, but of course he's a cider maker now. Very interesting to chat to him. Really? Just, not just cider, the amount of things you can actually make from the cider process. It's right. not just kind of like sweet ciders. There's champagnes you can make, and all these other things you can wow. use into them. So, 
they guess what you need. He moved because he worked for lots of um, big gardens for the RHS and that. Yeah, and he brought he brought a um he basically bought a cider making farm down in um, Devon. Nice. So, so he does look very nice. I'm a, I'm a bit I'm a bit jealous of him if I'm yeah. being honest. I'm, kind of, I'm a bit jealous too. Yeah, just it does look very there. nice down mm. there, to be honest. But, um, anyway, thank you very much, and I'll let you go. And um, yes, maybe one day we shall we shall see each other in Wayne. Yes, absolutely. Well, I hope to see you at Chelsea or Hampton Court. Yeah, more likely Hampton Court than Chelsea. I, Chelsea's yeah. not really my seat. To be honest, they probably turf me out and go get out, Ruffin. <laughs> I don't blame you, to be honest. It's a funny old thing, but yeah. Right, that's the quote. I wouldn't. Right, okay, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last one. We'll cut that out, otherwise you'll never work at Chelsea again. No yeah. trouble. Thank you very much, Francis. Take care. Have a nice Bye evening. Bye. I don't know how to turn the screen off, so you'll have to do it first. <laughs> okay, hang on. There yeah, we go. Fine. See you later. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye now. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to Kitchen Garden Prime for just four ninety nine per month. You'll be getting a whole lot for your plot, including an easy read tablet and phone edition to read anywhere, anytime. Exclusive access to 10 years of digital back issue archives, access to exclusive content from the online allotment, the Mudcuteers website. Plus, the monthly print magazine will be delivered free to your door each month. Head to classicmagazines.co.uk forward slash KG Prime to sign up today. 10%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as I... Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian.